1984, Free Guy, Ghostbusters Afterlife and Top Gun Maverick all got their trailers this week, Joker's been nominated for four Golden Globes and I talk Christmas movies on Netflix. Plus, I review Watchmen Episode 8, The Mandalorian, Motherless Brooklyn and Six Underground. All this and more on today's episode of Small Screen Stories. Hello and welcome to Small Screen Stories. On this weekly podcast I'll be going through the biggest and most entertaining stories from the world of entertainment and pop culture. So let's start off with what I believe to be the most interesting story of the week and that's Wonder Woman 1984's very first trailer. So her first trailer, the film's first trailer, aired, it was actually last week but uh, I didn't. I, it was after I released the last episode of the podcast and I knew that was going to happen, it always happens. But in this trailer it's... Um, What's interesting about this trailer? Well, first of all, the 80s theme is very present in this trailer. For, um, secondly, the action in it seems to be really, really good. I love the fact that they've cast Pedro Pascal as Maxwell Lord. He looks perfect. He's I, I wasn't so sure that he would be right for the role, but he's brilliant in this trailer, and um, I can't wait to see him in action. Then you've got Gal Gadot back as Wonder Woman, who's always fantastic. And there's also, there was also some teas, there was some teasers of Cheetah there, um, I mean, there have been some leaks for this movie, and um, I'm not going to go into them now because it's kind of spoiler territory, but it was a pretty comprehensive leak uh, explaining how Cheetah becomes Cheetah and how what happens to Wonder Woman and how Steve Trevor comes back. Yeah, I mean, we covered that on the site. You can go on the site and read it if you wish. It's Again, it's very spoilery. But yeah, this, this um, first uh, trailer is kind of everything I wanted from one, the Wonder Woman sequel. This film is some, is a film that I've been waiting for for a long time. The first Wonder Woman film was, still is, I think, one of the best films in the kind of DCEU, or they're not, they're not calling it that anymore. And the sequel, you know, Patty Jenkins is back writing and directing it, and I think it with in in her that the film is in very good hands. And uh, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to watching it. Now after that. Um, Patty Jenkins actually revealed that uh, she's got that already got the plot for Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman three figured out in her head, which is great. Which means that if um, if this first one, if this second Wonder Woman film does well, then hopefully they can just kind of get going on the on the third one. Although Patty Jenkins has said in the past that she kind of would like a break, which is uh, to be expected because she's kind of been working on she works on Wonder Woman, then immediately started working on Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. Moving away from Wonder Woman onto Free Guy, so this is a very um, interesting movie. I didn't know <laughs> I didn't actually know this movie existed, but it stars uh, Ryan um, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Jodie Comer, and Taika Waititi, and it's also got Joe Keery in it from uh, Stranger Things. So it's got a really good cast, and um, it's directed by actually Stranger Things' producer Sean Levy. Um, so it seems. <sighs> So the first trailer aired last week, and this I think this well this all came out of the Comic Con experience in Brazil, CCXP, which is now I think going to become the next big Comic Con in the world. I think it's going to become the biggest Comic Con in the world because it's in it's in Brazil, a place where we already know that they really love comic book movies there, and it's also they've got the space. It's in Sao Paulo. It's that is probably a better city than San Diego to be um, hosting it. It's bigger. It's got yeah, they've got a bigger space. And they're now getting these big movies. So the Wonder Woman trailer uh, released there and the Free Guy trailer released there. And um, it's really quite interesting. It looks like a combination of like the Lego movie and um, 
Resi Player One and a bit of like with Deadpool humor in there, which is to be expected because it's the uh, it is from the Deadpool writers. Uh, no, it's not from the Deadpool writers. It's from the Ready Player One writer, and uh, it definitely um it definitely all seems it, it it's kind of that it looks fun, but after a while, I think I'm starting to get a bit sick of Ryan Reynolds's kind of humor. Is he's the same guy? Literally in this film, he plays a guy called Guy. Um, and I'll just go over the uh, the plot very briefly. So uh, Ryan Reynolds plays Guy, who's a bank teller, and he's a non he's a non playable character, an NPC in a video game, and he becomes aware that he is that after um, a line of code is put into the the game by uh, Jodie Comer and um, and Joe Keery's characters. Jodie Comer is then a, a character becomes a character in the game in the video game, and she helps. Guy, I suppose, break the game, which was developed by Taika Waititi's character. So that's kind of the uh, the plot in a in a very quick nutshell. Talking about Comic Con experience in Brazil, uh, Ryan Reynolds was almost crushed by fans after like a barrier uh, uh, fell and a bunch of fans fell forward, and he just uh, very narrowly managed to escape. Uh, it was actually quite <laughs> it seemed quite scary. Actually, he went down to shake some hands and stuff, and. He, I think he saw pretty early on that it was going to uh, it's going to fall over. He quickly managed to get out out of the way. Talking about Free Guy, actually, Ryan Reynolds then revealed that Free Guy is his the favorite movie he's ever worked on, and that includes Deadpool. So he's really um, he's really bigging this film up. Um, hopefully, it'll be as good as he says it it'll be. I really don't know. It's just a trailer at the moment. It does look like a combination of a lot of different films, so we're just going to have to wait and see. Another trailer that we got this week was Ghost, Ghostbusters Afterlife. So this is uh, this is a really the, the whole the whole kind of Ghostbusters story is quite interesting. The fact that they there was the all female version of the Ghostbusters that didn't do very well with um, audiences. People didn't seem to like it that much, but now we're getting we're getting um, a new Ghostbusters movie, which is actually from Jason Reitman, who's the son of Ivan Reitman, who made the first two Ghostbusters films. So it's kind of going back to its roots, really. And it's got the likes of uh, Paul Rudd in the movie. And it's also got some of the... Um, it's, it's a younger cast, uh, which, you know, I think I think is good. It's kind of going back to... It's going back to its roots, definitely. And it's got Finn Wolfhard in it, which is why I think a lot of people are saying that this is a bit of a Stranger Things ripoff. It does look that way, you know. It's about it's kind of '80s nostalgia, and you've got Finn Wolfhard in it. Literally, this guy seems to be in every kind of '80s reboot. It seems to be like Hollywood thinks we need a guy that looks like he's from the '80s. Who can we get? We need like a young guy. Let's get Finn Wolfhard. Yeah. So a lot of people on Twitter have been claiming that this is a Stranger Things ripoff. And you know what? I kind of, I kind of, I can see where they're coming from. I really got that from the first trailer. You kind of, it's full. It's it's literally. It's difficult not to see that, and um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it'll be a bad film because I like Stranger Things. So, <laughs> hopefully, it does look like it'll be a bit better than the Paul Feig, um, f- like reboot kind of all female reboot, which. There were elements of that film that I really liked. Um, I, I don't think the problem with that film was that it was an all-female cast. I think the problem with that film was it was just a poorly written movie. I mean, that's what I think. But, you know, I think the vitriol that that film got was completely unwarranted. And um, hopefully, <laughs> with time, people can look back on it and actually think that it wasn't that bad. It was just a 
a bit uh, slightly poorly executed. Moving away from um, Ghostbusters and onto Top Gun. So Top Gun Maverick got its second trailer, which sees Tom Cruise back in the cockpit, which is what we all want. Tom Cruise as, as Maverick. And this, this film is actually... This trailer reveals a lot more than the first trailer did. Um, first off, we kind of know why Maverick's being brought back. He's he's being brought back to teach uh, cadets, which you know I I like I like that idea. It's kind of a mixture of old and new. You've got um, so you've also got a bit at the end where it looks like he's uh, Maverick's uh, flying some sort of. <laughs> it looks a bit like a spaceship, but I believe it's like a an anti kind of ray uh, like an anti radar ship or something. So some new sort of tech that he's getting to test out. And all of that will, will I think, will be really cool. You've got Miles Teller here, who I, I think he might be taking on the kind of Maverick role in this film. And um, yeah, it looks, you know, it looks good. It looks, it looks fun. And I'm always up for a good Tom Cruise movie. And this is, um, we're going to get this uh, next year, in 2020. Uh, so, I'm excited for it. Uh, I think it'll be good. Moving away from Top Gun and onto Joker. So, as I said before, Joker's been nominated for four Golden Globes, including Best Picture. So there's been quite a lot of discussion about this um, on the internet. Basically, Joker is up for all the big Golden Globes, um, which, to, to be honest, is to be expected. So it's up for Best Motion Picture, um, Best Actor in a Motion Picture, Drama, Best Director, and Best Original Score. So it's the fact that it's up for Best Director, which has uh, annoyed quite a lot of people, because the every single Best Director... Um, nominee is is male and i liked joker but i do not i do not think todd phillips deserves a best uh, director nomination for this film i think you can give it to someone <sighs> i mean give it to someone a bit who probably directed a better film i, I mean it, it's tricky because it really it shouldn't be it shouldn't be like that um you should I think people kind of got carried away with how well Joker's done. Watch, watch the film again, and um, I mean, I, I again, I said time and time again, I really like the film, but I think there have been a lot better movies that have come out this year that haven't haven't got the um, haven't got the yeah, just I think they need they need more coverage, and um, there are some there are some fantastic films that have come out this year that have been directed by women specifically and i just don't understand why a film like joker has been nominated over them i mean i suppose i do understand this it is a lot of it is to do with what people have seen in the academy or well, not the academy this is the um the foreign press but i'm pretty sure the same thing's going to happen with the oscars although they might have seen the backlash for the Golden Globes, and maybe um, they might be thinking, let's change our nominations. <laughs> I mean, it's just the fact that I, I'm not saying that Joker doesn't deserve it. I'm not saying that that, that um, Todd Phillips doesn't deserve this nomination. I'm just saying maybe widen your horizons a bit when you're coming up with nominations and when you're looking at films and looking at who's directed them. You know, I think uh, I think that might be an interesting way to go forward. The Batman. So uh, the Batman's cast Peter uh, Sarsgaard, and he might be playing Two Face. So actually, he's actually um, been in a, a comic book movie before. He was in Green Lantern. He was the villain in that film. He might want to forget that, but a lot of people have been uh, saying that he's going to be playing Two Face. Which I, I mean, first of all, first off, yeah, it look, you know, he'd be a good casting for it. He's a great actor. 
But the tweet that Matt uh, Reeves posted in which he kind of revealed this information, it said, oh, hi, Peter. And every tweet up to, up to this point that's been um, teasing a new, uh, well, revealing a new actor in his cast, has actually he's actually referred to them as their characters' names and not their own names, which means that he could be playing a character called Peter Grogan, who you might know from the video games and the comic books. But he's like a corrupt, uh, basically a corrupt cop. Uh, he's um, He was the deputy commissioner in the Batman comics, and he ended up being promoted to police commissioner. And he's been in the likes of Batman Arkham Origins and Batman the Telltale series. So he's in. He's he's a character that's quite well known. Um, whether or not he that's who he's going to be playing, I don't know, but a lot of people think he's playing Two-Face. And I think he'd be a good, uh, make a very good Two-Face. There's also there have also been rumours that Dave Bautista might be cast as Bane, so that's an interesting one because he he was uh, he posted a tweet in, of himself outside the Warner Brothers studio kind of lot and saying just chase your dreams and um, he has spoken at length about how he would love to play Bane. So put two and two together, is he auditioning for Bane? I think he'd be a fantastic Bane. He's kind of perfect for the role. I can't really think of anyone else. You know, Tom Hardy was great, but I think um, Dave Bautista is more kind of the comic book version of Bane. And uh, I think that'd be fun. I think it'd be good fun having him in there. Moving away from Batman onto Star Wars. So John Boyega has actually revealed what he thought of The Last Jedi. And I'm sorry, Last Jedi fans. It's not good. It's not very good. He basically said, um, so he was talking to Hype Beast about it. And here's what he had to say. He said, The Force Awakens, I think, was the beginning of something quite solid. The Last Jedi, if I'm being honest, I'd say that was feeling a bit iffy for me. I didn't necessarily agree with a lot of the choices in that, and that's something that I spoke to Mark Hamill about a lot. We had a conversation about it, and it was hard for all of us because we were separated. So he was kind of he he then went on to kind of say how that he didn't like how the the trio were were separated. He said he felt in the original. Um, Star Wars series, they were more connected, they were, they were actually together, and it was it, it was essentially about Luke's journey, but also Han and Leia's, and there was a strong dynamic between the three, and he feels that um, The Last Jedi got rid of that for, for the new trio. I mean, I understand where he's coming from, because they definitely were separated in the film, and they definitely went on their own journeys. So yeah, it, def- it sounds like there was a bit of a riff on set, which isn't always good. Kathleen Kennedy explains why they revealed Palpatine's return in Star Wars The Last, um, The Rise of Skywalker trailer, sorry. So this was something that I was actually wondering about. Uh, when you first, when I first watched the very first Star Wars trailer, I was really surprised that they revealed this because it is quite a big, I mean, you'd imagine that they would keep it secret as long as possible. But Kathleen Kennedy was actually expl- explaining that they kind of wanted to put that out there so that they didn't really have to spend so much time kind of trying to hide it which makes so much sense it's like it's a big reveal but it's also she also said that we, you still don't know what the character is going to be doing in the movie so there still is a, an element of, of mystery about it and um and that's something that i really like and uh and i really understand whether or not it'll end up being a good reveal i don't know i mean i'm really i'm i'm really excited to see this film is coming out in a few days i'm going to get to see it in a few days i can't believe it but it's um <clears throat> palpatine's return is something that i'm really really interested in so yeah, Sh- shazam 2 
Shazam's sequel has been confirmed by Warner Brothers Pictures and Zachary Levi will return. This is um, this is something that I, I, I kind of expected to happen, but it was really odd. It's like we hadn't heard anything about it. So it's now it's actually now got an official release date as well. So the fact that Zachary Levi is returning, I'm thinking they're going to be using the kids as well. So they kind of got to get a move on with this one if they want to... Uh, Make sure the kids are the same, the right age. So the actual release date is April 1st, 2022, which is quite a way away. And Black Adam is then coming out after that on December 22nd. No, it's coming out before that, sorry, on December 22nd, 2021. So there are two quite big DC Comics movies. And I'm pretty sure that they're going to come together at some point, that Shazam is going to meet Black Adam at some point. That'll be fun. There have been some new Birds of Prey images uh, and they show Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn with her team and they look very cool. Uh, this is, um, I'm not quite sure what to think about Birds of Prey because um, I've heard a lot of stuff about, you know, there's been a extensive reshoots on the movie and um, it was a bit of a mess beforehand apparently. But everything I've seen up until now, it, it looks really good. So... I'm keeping my fingers crossed for this because I really, I really like Margot Robbie's version of Harley Quinn, and I really like the cast, and I really like Kathy Yan, who's a director, and I just want this to be a good film because, you know, it, it's a really good idea, and it's something that needs to be. We need to see more of this kind of stuff. Anyway, Doctor Strange two, yeah, so Doctor Strange two, Doctor Strange uh, into the Multiverse of Madness might feature Deadpool in this in the post credit scene, so. There have been some rumours about how they could get Deadpool into the MCU, and some people have thought that it might come from uh, come from the multiverse in Doctor in the Doctor Strange sequel, which is the most it's it, it it's the way that it's the it makes sense that that's what they're going to do because at the moment it's very much like Ryan Reynolds's Deadpool is in another universe, so they're going to have to kind of bring him into their universe, and the multiverse is the easiest way to do that. It also means that people have quite have thought that it might might mean that there are two versions of Deadpool in the MCU. There'll be the Ryan Reynolds one and whoever plays him in the actual MCU, which I think I think that would be quite funny if they get both uh, both versions together. And also, who would they get to play the second version of Deadpool? Yeah, I'd like to see this. Uh, moving away from Doctor Strange and onto the Matrix. So the Matrix Four has added Mindhunter's Jonathan Groff to its cast, and he is brilliant. Like. Honestly, Jonathan Groff can do anything. He's a fantastic actor. If you watch him in Mindhunter and then see what he was he does in the likes of Frozen and then see his work on in on um, on the stage, he's a he started out as being a, a bit of a he was a song and dance man. He was he was in um Broadway, you know, he was in the Book of Mormon and stuff like that. And he's moved on to being in Mindhunter, which is a complete like left turn from what he was doing before. And now he's being cast in the Matrix. We don't know who he's going to be playing, but I'm really excited to see this film. It's got a fantastic cast. Keanu Reeves is back. Yeah, um, I really got Neil Patrick Harris in this one. Yeah, it's looking really, really good. And also, more kind of The Matrix 4 news. So The Matrix 4 and John Wick 4 are going to be released on the same day in 2021, making it a blockbuster day for Keanu Reeves, which... Um, I'm pretty sure that if this happens, if if they do go through with this, which I'm not so sure they will, they might end up moving it, but they've got to release them as a double bill. And it's on uh, May 21st, 2021. That's that's a day you're going to have to put in your calendars because uh, you can't miss Keanu Reeves Day. You can't miss The Matrix 4 and John Wick 4 in the same day. <laughs> Constantine. 
talking of Keanu Reeves, Constantine could be rebooted by Warner Brothers in a similar way to Deadpool. So the idea is to bring Keanu Reeves back and kind of have it be kind of uh, self-referential. I like that idea. I really do like that idea. Personally, when I f- saw this the, the, the Constantine film it was a while ago, I, I liked it. I was quite young at the time, so I didn't, I, and I wasn't very familiar with the Constantine character in the in the comic books. I actually also really like Matt Ryan's version of uh, Constantine in the the CW kind of TV universe, and I think he's actually quite he's closer to the comic book character than than um, Keanu Reeves was. But bring back Keanu Reeves, why not? Jack Black. So Jack Black's actually revealed that he's retired. He might retire after Jumanji: The Next Level. So he actually. He actually said he'd really like to do a Quentin Tarantino movie and make that his last movie. And then he started talk, talking about Star Trek because there are, there are rumours that Quentin Tarantino's last movie might be Star Trek. So, I mean, he's been doing this for a while and he said he wants to spend more time with his family and it's completely understandable. You know, it's, um, it's something that if you're on a movie, you're away for a couple of months at a time. And uh, most of the things they film... Is like in place, you know, it's not close to home. So, you know, I get it. And um, I think he's still, he did say he's still going to do like Tenacious D and stuff like that, which is good. But, you know, a world without Jack Black, it's quite sad, really. I don't, I don't like that idea. I love, I love the Jumanji films and I think he's great in them. I think he's great in everything he's in. I love his YouTube channel as well. It's really funny. So let's move away from movies and onto TV. The Witcher. The Witcher season one's feature, there was a, there was a featurette which um, basically Henry Cavill explained who Geralt of Rivia is and he explained his backstory. It's very interesting. If you're interested in The Witcher, which I know a lot of people are, I would say go and watch it, especially if you don't know much about the backstory of the character. And honestly, if you don't know much about the backstory, good luck because it's, uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of it. And, um, but he basically in the, in the video just explains what a Witcher is and uh, they're like a magical being that can they're kind of called mutants in the world they hunt monsters and they can drink potions that's it in a nutshell really but I think Henry Cavill does a much better job of explaining it than I do um, there's also been uh, the the showrunner of The Witcher um, blanking on her name at the moment I think it's Lauren Schmidt and um, yeah so she's been talking about uh, the the it's Lauren Schmidt's history <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how to say that last name. Um, it's a tough one. It's H I S S R I C H. So Hisrich, Hisrich, I assume. But yeah, she's been talking about the fact that that the Witcher season one will actually feature new monsters that they've developed themselves that aren't in the video games or the um, the graphic novels or the books. So. I mean, first off, the monsters in The Witcher are they're terrifying, just in the video game alone, in the books as well, and the comic books. They're, they're really like nasty looking. And um, I, I, I'm really excited to see some more kind of nasty monsters in The Witcher because uh, that's what you want to see in this. That's what it's all about. And uh, one final bit of Witcher news is that... Um, so the final trailer aired. So The Witcher's going to land on Netflix on the 20th of December which is uh, it's literally the same day as Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, but I don't think that's going to be a problem. But the last trailer basically just teased a lot of incredible action involving Henry Cavill as Geralt of Rivia. The combat in this show, I think, is going to be better than anything else we've ever seen. It's um, 
I think it's going to be a lot better than Game of Thrones. It's look, these trailers really do sell it for me, and um, Henry Cavill is just great in in kind of combat scenes. Anyway, they've got a good lead, I think, in that in Henry Cavill. He's very good at action. I can't think of anyone that's better than him at the moment. I mean, maybe apart from like the Ray guys and some people, you know, but he's very good. So moving away from The Witcher and on to Lucifer. So if you haven't been watching Crisis on Infinite Earths, then you won't know that, I'm sorry, spoilers, Lucifer's in it. He turns up in a cameo and he, um, <clears throat> it was really surprising because he basically uh, told everybody that he wasn't going to be in this, even though he was spotted in Vancouver, which is where they film it. And he basically just said that, um, he said that he was there visiting a friend for his birthday. Yeah, it was a load of rubbish. He was he was in Crisis on, on Infinite Earths. And his cameo is quite cool, actually. And uh, Tom Ellis actually revealed that this Crisis on Infinite Earths cameo takes place about five years before Lucifer, the TV show, starts. Which, which explains a lot, which explains why it's kind of a... It seems like a, a slightly different version to the Lucifer that we know now after season four. And also, it made me wonder whether John Constantine might cameo in Lucifer season five, because in the uh, cameo, Lucifer basically reveals that John Constantine was a big help in bringing Maze to Earth. So we might actually see that in the final season of uh, Lucifer, which would be good fun. And talking of Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, it re also revealed that uh, t what happened to Tom Welling's Clark Kent. And basically, he gave up his powers, which... It's quite surprising, but it's the perfect way to explain how he's aged. Because, I mean, Superman just doesn't age, does he? So, And Tom Welling's not the same Tom Welling that he was in Smallville. So in order to explain that, what they did is they um, they said that he just gave up his powers. Which pissed off Lu uh, Lex Luthor quite a lot, which is good fun. Now, moving away from uh, all the news and on to some features. So I've only got one feature this week. And because it's Christmas, uh, I thought why not look at some of the movies that you can watch on Netflix? And it's, it became particularly interesting because they actually got rid of um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which I thought was the best Christmas movie on Netflix. And you know what? This was quite tough. This was quite tough because a lot of the Christmas movies on Netflix are bad. I'm sorry, I'll say it, they're bad. But there are a couple that are okay. So the first one I found was Nativity, the very first Nativity which um, stars, it stars Martin Freeman, and he's a primary school teacher, and it's actually really quite good. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did, but no, I, I really did like this film. The second one was Arthur Christmas, which I think is a, is like, is a gem of a, of a Christmas movie. It is animated. It's, um, it's about Arthur Christmas's uh, Father Christmas's grandson, I think, and um, it's a really... It's a really different take on the Christmas story. It's really well animated. It's really well voice acted. And I would recommend it to anybody that who loves Christmas movies. Then you've also got Blackadder's Christmas Carol, which is li literally a classic. It's anyone that loves Blackadder, anyone that loves comedy, British comedy, you'll love this. It's really good fun. Klaus is actually really good as well, which is the new um, Netflix animated Christmas movie. It came out this year. And it's a really good and different take on the Father Christmas story, and I really, really, really liked it. The final one was Get Santa. So Get Santa stars Jim Broadbend as uh, as Santa, and he gets arrested. And it's also got uh, Warwick Davis in it. It's really good. It's uh, it's it's um it's a movie that doesn't get enough love, 
and uh, I think it's much better than the Christmas Chronicles, which is a Netflix original. It's um, it was directed by a guy called Christopher Smith, who made Severance and Triangle, which are two very good horror films, and you can kind of see his horror influences in this film, and I really really liked it. So yeah, they're the Christmas movies that you should uh, go and watch on Netflix now. So time for reviews. Very first, uh, I'll be very brief with these, but um, Watchmen episode 8. So I haven't actually had time to watch the finale yet, um, but I've watched episode 8 and it is incredible. If you want to know uh, more about Dr. Manhattan, if you want to know more about uh, Carl and Angela Abar's uh, backstory and how Dr. Manhattan met her, it is fantastic. I've said this time and time again, the writing on this show is wonderful. The <clears throat> The way it's the way it's shot, the way it's acted, the way it's written, everything about this is just incredible event TV. It's, it's must-watch television. Now, moving away from television that people are still claiming is must-watch must watch television, but I don't think it is anymore, is The Mandalorian. So The Mandalorian Episode 5, I know I'm one week behind. I haven't seen the last, the last episodes of Watchmen and The Mandalorian. But Episode 5 uh, saw um, Pedro Pascal's Mandalorian go to Tatooine to fix his ship and it's kind of everything that I was worried about the Mandalorian happens in this episode first off there's no need to go back to Tatooine secondly it's literally just fan service for fan service sake thirdly um, people obviously just want this to be a Boba Fett uh, series so I think they're going to bring Boba Fett into it and I I'm not enjoying it that much I'm going to be honest I I, I think I think it's just too much like of nothing like nothing happens in a lot of these episodes. It's also I I do wonder whether the problem is that they're releasing them weekly because I think if you'd watch them all in one go you'd have a much better experience or not just in one maybe two or three goes but at least know that you can watch if you want to watch the next episode you can and I feel like they're also too short the the episodes are too short and um it means that you kind of you get into an episode and then you're out of it. And it's kind of like, oh, that's over. Okay, that was fine. You know, it's, it's that kind of reaction. And um, I don't want it's fine from this. I want, oh my God, this is incredible. I want like a good like 45 minutes. If you're going to release them weekly, you got to do that. You can't you can't do it like 22, some of them. Like, it's actually... It's just, it's just not, it's not good. I mean, no, they're not twenty-two minutes. They're like, un but they are. Some of them are under thirty minutes long, which I, I find really puzzling. And I think it's because it's a, a series made by kind of die-hard Star Wars fans in John Favreau and Dave Filoni. I think it kind of suffers from that as well because they're, they're they're too worried about pleasing fans and you know having callbacks and having little nods and winks to things and but it's it's more than that it's also the fact that it's a mandalorian is like it's it's basically it, it comes off as a bit of being a youtube fan made video and i know that sounds bad but it kind of does it's also very dark and that's probably because i watch it on my on my laptop um but i watch it in a pretty dark space and i still struggle to see what's going on um so let's move away from the mandalorian and on to the cw's crisis on infinite earths part one which is the only one I've been able to watch so far because I'm in the UK and it's a bit of a nightmare trying to <laughs> watch these in the UK. Part one. Um, I'm not going to explain the plot to you because I'm going to be honest, I didn't understand it. Uh, it's got something to do with an antimatter wave that's eradicating all universes, all Earths in the multiverse. 
all the heroes have to come together and defeat the uh, basically come up with a way of stopping this and this anti-matter wave there's a lot of talking in rooms there's a lot of explaining the plot there's a lot of science gobbledygook that I'm not a big fan of it's very it's very CW it's very CW and um, it's a shame because I mean I, I like a lot of these shows I liked the beginning of Arrow I liked the Fla I like the Flash I think the Flash is really good Batwoman seems to be um, interesting I think uh, Supergirl I'm going to be honest I'm not I haven't kept up with it. Um, I didn't much care for the first season, and I just said, you know what, I haven't got enough time to be watching all these CW shows. So, but I did want to watch Crisis on Infinite Earths because it's a massive event. It's a massive crossover event, and I just this first episode left me feeling a bit cold. Although I will say that St Stephen Amell puts in the best performance he's ever put in as Arrow, and um, <clears throat> I think I think for that alone, it's probably worth watching. Moving away from Crisis on Infinite Earths and onto Motherless, Motherless Brooklyn, which is a gem of a film. They Honestly, they do not make movies like this anymore. Edward Norton literally stars, directed it, wrote the movie, <laughs> like, did everything on this film. He brought um, his kind of friend, actor friends in to star in it, and he's got the likes of Alec Baldwin, uh, puts in a fantastic performance. Gugu Mbatha-Raw, who's just wonderful in this film. Willem Dafoe, who's also incredible in this movie. It is such a good film. Um, it's a noir thriller type movie which we don't see at all anymore. It's it really made me smile, and um, I think it's a really good film actually to watch at Christmas time. It's set in nineteen fifties New York. It's kind of you've also got Edward Norton that puts in incredible performances um, as Lionel. Lionel, the um, he got, he works for a detective agency, and his boss Frank is murdered, and he spends the um, the rest of the movie trying to figure out what's what happens and there's corruption and there's deceit and it's just oh it's so good it's so it's so noir perfectly noir and it's um a great way to watch a film that we really don't see anymore they used to make a lot of them now we you know the Humphrey Bogart films now we don't see them anymore and uh, he's bringing them back in a re he, he's brought it back in a really incredible way and uh, I really highly recommend this movie a movie I do not recommend at all. One bit is a movie I watched last night called Six Underground, which stars Ryan Reynolds and uh, and Melanie Laurent, who's in this film, who I think is fantastic. But I'm watching, I'm thinking, why are you in this movie? It's a Michael Bay film, and that's I think that says enough. Michael Bay is literally a three-year-old trapped in a middle-aged man's body. The guy is you watch his his movies and you think, what is going through this guy's head? Why does he think this will work? Why are these action sequences so long? Why is Ryan Reynolds playing Ryan Reynolds in every single movie he's in nowadays? What Does he think he's funny? Honestly, I don't think he's that funny anymore. I think it's getting quite old. There are other characters in this film that are much more interesting than Ryan Reynolds' character, but you know because he's the star, they focus on him. Uh, actually, Mélanie Laurent's character is very interesting. I really like her in it, and I'm saying this... Get her in a Bond film or give her um, an action movie because she is fantastic. And she's the only reason why I would say maybe watch this film. Also, it's actually quite funny to laugh at um, just because you can't quite tell whether they're serious or not. Um, there's It's like moments are serious and then moments are completely not. And the tone's all over the place. So, yeah, it's not a good film. It really isn't a good film. And I was actually disappointed. I don't know why I thought this would be good. <laughs> I was kind of hoping it would. 
because as a kid I loved like The Rock, I loved Armageddon, I loved Bad Boys. Maybe watching them again now, I haven't watched them in a long time, I'd, I'd be like, oh my god, these are terrible. But at the time I really liked them and I thought this was going to be Michael Bay going back to those roots. But it's it's not. It's Michael Bay basically doing what he was doing with Transformers and bringing it into like another kind of environment. Because honestly, with his films, you just do not know what's going on. You do not know what's going on in his movies. They're so bizarrely shot. They're so... There's like there's so much slow motion. There's so much handy, like, kind of handy cam, like... And it's just like... It's, it's just confusing. <laughs> it's so confusing to watch. But anyway, I'm going to end that there because that was a lot to get through. And as usual, I just basically scratched the surface of everything that went on this week but please go and check out small screen which is at www.small-screen.co.uk for even more pop culture news features and reviews you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram at small screen gb please share it like it um this episode was done quite quickly because i didn't have much time but please i've been enjoying so much doing these episodes for you and it's been a it's been a real pleasure and i want to keep on doing it so please just try and yeah, if you can share it, that'd be wonderful. I'm Edward Lauder. I haven't said that before, but yeah, you can follow me at Ed Lauder on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, I'll see you back here same time next week. Thanks so much, guys. Goodbye. Goodbye.